Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Good morning, everybody. Happy January to you. Uh, my name is Gary. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm so glad to have you with us. And uh, as we jump into the series, I want to make sure into the sermon you have a message notes, and um, we're going to jump through those in a minute. Just a few things. I want to really encourage guys, he eats or he emotes, whatever that's going to be called on Thursday night when we learn about emotions. Please come and consider that. Actually, I just want to encourage you to go to the PCC website. On the front page, where that's being redesigned. Uh, you can go to events. There's a ton of stuff that we, we don't want to fill your time, but we do want all of us to look more like Jesus. And we think being together, not only a week at a time in a room like this is important, but taking the next step and getting deeper into community, everything happens better in circles than rows. And so what you love about this gets better the further you get in. There's rooted, there's a bunch of stuff going on. I want to invite you to do that. And next week, I want to encourage you, we're going to do a new series on the book of First Peter, a New Testament book. Uh, it's called Exiles. If you have a Bible, bring it. We want to, uh, as we walk through that book, have you mark up that Bible, and it'll be incredible. Okay, we good? Awesome. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for uh, this community. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for changing lives like Clark's and others, for your goodness, for your grace that is way, way better than anything we do and don't do. Way better than when we fall short. Way better than our trying to earn is your grace. And we're trusting it now, Lord. Uh, you have been worshiped. A community is gathered. Hearts have been softened. The word is opened and we're here. The reality is nothing I say can change a life but your word is powerful. And so we're gonna invite you, Lord, to speak to our hearts. Teach us what it means to bring your kingdom, to be kingdom bearers, to be in your kingdom, to be your children, royalty in you. We need it and we pray for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Hey, what comes to your mind when you think of the term, it's oxymoronic, joyful noise? Joyful noise. What comes to your mind? Just think about that. It's rhetorical. Uh, maybe for some of you, it's, um, it's the crying of a child. Maybe for some of you, it's the uh, sound of tools in your workstation at home. Or maybe it's the clanging of pots and pans if you like to cook. Uh, maybe it's the roar of an ocean. Or if you're a teacher, a playground, the chatter that comes off it. We have people that love this city and the urban roar, if you will, that comes off the city, especially on the El Camino. It's a joyful noise to them because they love the city so much. What comes to your mind when you think of joyful noise? Last weekend, uh, my family and I were in Monterey, and we a lot of joyful noise, seagulls, waves, a lot of joyful noise there. But I, um, I drove back here to be with you and then drove back to watch a joyful noise, the Niners taking it to the Packers. That was a joyful noise to me. Um, but uh, on Monday, I was driving home, and I got the privilege of driving my teenage daughter, her friends, and my 11-year-old daughter. And as we were going home, they were playing their Spotify, and there was a moment, I got to be honest, it was a noise but it was a joyful noise. I actually captured it. Watch this. The day when you wake up and find out what you're looking for has been here the whole time. If you can see that. 
Now, truth be told, I am not a Taylor Swift fan. T-Swizzle doesn't do it for me. Uh, but the reality is I am a fan of my daughters. And the fact that they included me in that, I got home and I thought, man, I am going to capture that and remember that the rest of my life. It was a joyful noise. What do you think is a joyful noise to God? In the Psalms, you can see in our pullout verse on verse, uh, page one, it says this, make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth, this is an all play, right? Uh, serve the Lord with gladness. In Hebrew poetry, which this is, when you put a couplet together, the second part of the couplet expands on the first one. So if you're wondering what a joyful noise is in Hebrew poetry, uh, which this is, it tells you in verse 2, a joyful noise is serving the Lord with gladness, coming into his presence with singing. Uh, this was written in Hebrew. In the original language, the word joyful noise, you know what it means? War cry. Battle cry. Uh, it's used over 42 times in the Psalms. It's used in the book of Joshua when they circled the walls of Jericho and worshiped and the walls came down. Worship is so much more than meets the eye. So much wider and longer and deeper. It's the essence of what we just sang. I raise a hallelujah. My worship uh, is a weapon. My weapon is a melody. It's a war cry. Have you ever thought about that? Uh, but look even deeper into that and we realize that we're singing to the Lord, but God wants the joyful noise 168 hours a week, not just an hour on Sunday. Suddenly it blows your mind and expands your paradigm of what worship is, that your whole life can be a joyful noise to the Lord, not just audibly, but through doing good, through serving others, through attitudes. Heaven looks at that and goes, ah, oh, it's a joyful joyful noise. That's really what's behind this mini-series, which is really our year theme, Kingdom Come. How are we going to be the answer to Jesus' prayer? Lord, let us bring your kingdom, let your kingdom come, let your will be done through us. It's through seeing it differently that our life is a joyful noise to the Lord. Turn to page two and let's get to today's passage. Uh, we're taking kind of a pivot, but in Hebrews chapter 13. And um, Hebrews, I'm going to give you an overview of the book and then we'll go dive into just two verses today. Real simple, two verses. Uh, Hebrews was written to a group of followers of Jesus who came to Christ out of Judaism in Rome in the first century. Uh, they had met their Messiah and his name is Jesus, still is. Jesus. And so once they came to Christ in Rome and identified as a follower of Jesus, life got brutal for them. And if you want to know the theme of Hebrews, I'll give it to you right now in three words. And this is why I want you to bring your Bible so you can write this in your Bibles or in your notes wherever. Jesus is better. That's Hebrews. That's 13 chapters in three words. Jesus is better. Just close in prayer. Amen. Have a great day. What the author is saying to these Christians, and you think you're having a bad day, being a Christian in Rome in the first century meant you were fair game to be taken out of your family system and um, taken into the Colosseum, and you were the warm-up sport before the gladiators fought in the Colosseum. They would put a skin on you and bring out wild animals, and tens of thousands of people would be cheering for your death, all because you're a Christian. Being a Christian meant the emperor Nero burned Rome and turned and blamed your people for it because he wanted to be a hero and rebuild the city. Uh, being a Christian meant when the emperor had his backyard parties in his palace, you would be kidnapped, tarred, impaled, and lit on fire to be the backyard light of the temple, of the palace parties. 
And I tell you this because when we jump next week into 1 Peter, same context, written to uh, uh, same city, Christians in Rome. It wasn't easy being a Christian. And for these Jewish Christians who had embraced their Messiah, they were just leaving the faith and going back to Judaism because it was a lot easier. So this author wrote this book to them in Rome saying, wait a second, don't do that. Jesus is better. You're used to the Old Testament sacrifices. Jesus is a way better sacrifice than anything that was offered in the Old Testament. You're used to a high priest who goes into the temple once a year to offer a sacrifice. Jesus is a greater high priest than any high priest you would go back to. Jesus is better. It's worth it because you're looking at life birth to death and that death is brutal. But I wanted you to look at life birth to eternity and in light of that, what are you turning back for? A thousand years from now, you'll see Jesus is better. So for 12 chapters, the author just builds out this Jesus is better theme. And then in verse uh, chapter 13, uh, the, chapter 12 and 13, he says, okay, now in light of that, here's how you should live. It's a great read. But we're going to take two verses of chapter 13, verse 15 to 16, okay? It's on page two of your notes or it's in your Bibles. It says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God. And he takes this Old Testament word they're very familiar with, a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And then in, in true uh, Hebrew poetic form where, um, where there's a couplet, he puts the couplet, you see the conjunction and. So he's going to build that out in verse 16. And don't forget to do good. In other words, worship isn't just vertical. We've seen this every week in 2020, people. Worship isn't just something you do before God. It's horizontal as well. Share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Well, let's just walk through this verse by verse. I'm sorry, word by word. We'll take the first two words. We'll, I don't want to be here till 2 p.m., okay? So actually, I do, but I can't, okay? So um, through Jesus, two words that define your Christian life. Through Jesus. And by the way, if you're not a follower of Christ, and I'm so glad you're here, I'm actually directing this message to followers of Christ. I want you to lean in, though, because chances are very high what we're talking about today is the very reason you aren't following Christ. You want to follow Jesus. You have no issue with Jesus. It's just Christians getting in the way. And here's the crux of why that is. Because people like me are living through Gary, not through Christ. Christian life was never meant to be through Gary. When I gave my life to Christ, when Clark did, and many of you have, I can, you know, give your names too, who identify as a follower of Christ. At that point, a new operating system was implanted in you. The very life of Jesus was put in you. And you can access it any time to live and love and learn and work and treat people the way that God designed image bearers of his See, the whole point of the Christian life is not for the world to see what we can do. We're getting in the way. The whole point of the Christian life is for the world to see what Christ can do through us. That's captured. This isn't in your notes, but it'll be on the screen in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look what it says. We have this treasure. That's the through Christ, the very life of Christ. Where do we have it? In jars of clay. That's the metaphor the author uses for your mortal body, which is decaying to show that this all-surpassing power, that's what we have access to, is from God, not from us. Since see, when we live through Christ outside this building and in this building, the, the um, reverberation off our life is a joyful noise. It's how God designed it. So Jesus shows up in unexpected places, 
in unexpected ways. And you and I are flourishing and the kingdom's built. So Friday, I, um, I uh, put a call in to Comcast, customer service. Now, now, people of God, there is a hierarchy here. And any Comcast employee, please run, send your complaint, Brian R. at We Are PCC. There is hell. There is the DMV. And just above that, Comcast customer care. I had to cancel our cable. And I uh, was calling them, and uh, I knew this wasn't going to be easy, but I was going to be nice. I didn't pray beforehand or anything, but uh, like, like Clark, uh, the best advice ever given to me is start, make your first appointment with Jesus, enjoy him, and let him guide your day. Invite him to call any audible, and boy, will he. So I'm talking to the person. Uh, we're 20 minutes into it, and he's not letting me go. He's like, well, why do you want to cancel your cable? This is verbatim, because I don't want to live in front of a screen. We, we want to live. My family wants to live. And then he says, well, what does that mean? <laughs> so I tell him what we like to do. I'm telling this guy, what we like. I like to run. I like to be with my wife. We go on walks. We have a pug. We take our pug. And I'm going, what am I doing? Just cancel the cable. <laughs> and uh, at minute 30... He's going back and forth. He finally, I go, I called him bro. I'm like, listen, bro, I'll be honest with you. Like, just cut the cable. You're not going to upsell me. Give me the best internet package you have. All I want is internet. And so then we're going back and forth. I was very nice, nicer than I realized. And he was going to his supervisor and he comes back and says, hey, I just need one more minute. I'll be right back. He goes, hey, can I just tell you something? He goes, where do you live? I go, well, I live in California. He goes, I need to tell you this. He goes, you're the nicest Californian I've ever talked to. And then, that, so now he saw and thought, this is what happens when I speak through Gary. I felt a conviction. And I go, okay, I don't want to freak you out right now. But I need to tell you this. I go, I'm actually a jerk. <laughs> but years ago, Jesus Christ stepped into my life. And he's changing me from being a jerk to being less of a jerk, especially with people like you. I'm, this is a true story, my friends. And, and I want God to get the glory. Crickets, quiet. And he says, the next thing out of his mouth is this, tell me more. And then he says, and we're being recorded. <laughs> to which I go, praise God, maybe the manager needs to hear this too. And so uh, I share my testimony. And then he says this, I gave my life to Christ two months ago. And he says, you have no idea what this means to me to be talking to you and how encouraging this is. See, we never know, my friends. That's not about Gary, it's about me. And we ended up having a 49-minute, I saw it on my phone, 49-minute conversation. I still cut the cable. He gave me great service. Um, and uh, it was amazing. I'm like, gosh, Lord. You know what that was? That was a joyful noise. Both ways, going up, he encouraged me. Never told him I was a pastor. He just encouraged me as a brother in Christ. And that's what happens when we live through Christ. You have no idea how many people like that are in your life, in your neighborhood, where you work. And you don't need to like give them the full, you know, bang, like open your Bible, let's start in general. You don't need that. Just give a word. I had a minute to share my story and let God take it. And I've shared that a million times, not a million, but often, and it goes nowhere. And I'm like, okay, Lord, that's, that's, I'm not into the results. You just use that. And there's times like this where there's a Comcast guy, God puts us together and good things happen. Joyful noise. 
all surpassing power is from him. Then look what it says. We're to continually, the word means whole. We're to continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. In other words, it's so good. When I hung up, you know what I thought? I'm like, God, do it again. Like, that was so good. If you want to use me again, I'm, I'm open. And when I'm here singing, I get, the, I get the benefits of They have three different worship gatherings like this. And I'm like, this is so good, whether it's with the orchestra and orchestral and, and hymn-driven with that organ, the first service, which is really alive, or down at Hudson, which is really alive. And next week, I get to be uh, at all four, so I get to be in the gym, which is really alive, walking in here really alive. I'm like, gosh, I don't want it to end. Listen to me, everybody. It doesn't have to end. It's to be continual through your life and through obedience. You are, you are roaring. You're making a war cry to God through your obedience. And God just takes that in. It's like, ah, oh, it's a joyful noise. But who are we to make it to? Through Jesus, continually to who? God. Worship's not about me. It's not about you. Turn to someone right now, smile, and say, it's not about you. See, worship isn't to us. It's about him. It's always ever been about him. There's times when I will uh, enter into a worship gathering, never here at PCC, but I'll enter into a worship gathering and I'll be like, oh, I don't, I don't like that song. Oh my gosh, they're off key there. Oh my gosh, what's going on with that? You know, as if worship is about me, as if I'm the focus and the point. I want you to know we don't have one band at PCC. We don't have one group of people singing, we are the band. We are the choir together, worshiping God together. Do you think God looked down on the first 25 minutes of this gathering and said, ah, oh, that band, which I'm, I'm sure he loved. Thank you so much for serving us. <laughs> I think he was here going, ah, oh, I love that people. I love the joyful noise coming off a of farm hill right now. We're the band when we come and gather. And it doesn't matter if you harmonize. It doesn't matter if you're tone deaf. It's a joyful what? Noise to God. Fruit of the lips. Look at this. This, this was convicting. Uh, it says a sacrifice of praise. Now we're getting to the crux of it, right? Worship is sacrifice. It's going, and through that word, which he uses twice in this passage, he, he builds out what they knew, what we don't always, but in the Old Testament, uh, the people of God would gather the tabernacle before there was a building and then the temple when there was, and they would offer uh, a sacrifice, an animal that would be, have its net cut, blood was spilled, foreshadowing the Lamb of God who would give his life for us. And so it's saying it should be costly. You'd have to pay for that animal. And, and God made a provision for the poor. If you couldn't afford an animal, you'd buy a bird really cheaply. And through whatever you paid out, you would offer that to God. It was costly. A sacrifice of praise. Do you know uh, the first time worship appears in the Bible? It's in the first book. And have you ever heard of a guy named Abraham, character of the old Bible? I'm saying this in every service, so don't be offended. This is not a, an age statement, but don't die before next fall, okay? Don't die, because next fall we're going to do a study on the life of Abraham. It's going to be unbelievable, okay? Everyone, can we make a pact? We good? Okay. Abraham, probably the most famous story is he had a son named Isaac, 
and I don't have time to get into it, but as a foreshadow of what God would do with his son, God called Abraham to climb a mountain and sacrifice his son, provided a lamb at the last minute. But as Abraham is with his son about to go up the mountain, not knowing God's going to provide a lamb, he says this in verse, chapter 22, verse 5. Look what he says. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey. Why, I and the boy go over there. Now look what he says. We will what? Worship. We're going to make a war cry. A statement in the heavenlies. God is worth it. And we're going to see the kingdom expand. He had no idea. As a matter of fact, this very book we're in right now, Hebrews, looking back at that, giving comment to that thought, Abraham expected his son would die and God would raise his very son from the dead. But that act of obedience was a, was a sacrifice of worship. It's worth it. And then he says this, a sacrifice of praise. The fruit, oh, by the way, uh, we sang the song, I Raise a Hallelujah. We just sang that. Maybe you don't know the backstory of that song. I was investigating this. I actually heard this from our worship department. The CEO of a whole worship community named Bethel and his wife had a two-year-old son, Jax, who uh, bacteria, he had E. coli uh, bacteria in him, and when he was diminishing in health, they ran him to the hospital, and his, uh, the bacteria was taken over there doing transfusions, and then their four-year-old daughter had the same symptoms take place. And so now their two kids are in ICU units while bacteria is eating them away, and he gets on his text message, and, and actually I think it was uh, social, and puts out a video saying, please pray for my kids. Their doctors say they may not make it. And another worship leader, a good friend of his, uh, Jonathan and Melissa, were in constant contact with them. And now this is Jonathan's words, praying over Jax. He says, quote, as soon as I got the text, I felt like this giant of unbelief stood before me. Can anyone relate to that with something you're facing? And he said, uh, I thought Jackson's going to die tonight and we're not going to see a miracle. And he said, all of a sudden, out of my gut, a song came out in the face of a giant. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah, a war cry, louder than my unbelief. This song became the anthem for the tailors throughout the rest of the battle over Jackson's life, making worship their weapon. More friends from the community came to the hospital room and sang over this family. And God created a miracle and healed them. It's the origin of an anthem that's taken over the world right now. Because that's what worship is. It's a war cry. But then it goes on. Look at this. A sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. That's important. And don't try to read too much in this. You know what it's just saying? Use your words. Use your words. When, when you want to tell God how great he is, yeah, he loves it when you think it, but God loves your voice. Have you ever heard the statement, it's the thought that counts? What a stupid statement. <laughs> I grew up under that. I grew up under that. My parents, uh, and I loved them. I felt loved. But they didn't tell me they loved me a lot. And it hurt as an adult. In what relationship is a thought that counts? In what relationship does a relationship flourish when there's not words? There's single people in here and you live with roommates. How intimate are you going to be in your roommates, college or whatever, uh, young adults, older adults, with just your roommates, if you're not communicating to each other. 
There's employee, employers here of great businesses in our area. And the, the, the health of the culture of your workplace flourishes on words. What marriage can thrive if no words are expressed? The thought counts. Words count more. And it's the same with God. And I know it seems weird, but it's okay to tell Jesus, I love you so much. It's okay to tell God the Father, I love you so much. I adore you right now. It's okay to tell the Holy Spirit, I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You know, after uh, the weekend, I was uh, getting to bed and, and uh, after that video and coming home, and I thought about that and how great that moment was, and I thought, I don't want my daughter not knowing how much I appreciated that. So before she went to bed that night, I just went into her room like, I need to tell you, that is a memory I will never, ever forget. The fruit of lips that openly profess his praise. And then it goes on. And many of us will stop there and think, wow, that's a great passage. And many of us, and I'm not saying this to condemn at all, but many of us think, well, that's worship. Boy, you nailed it. Get any good job. That's worship. You, that's what it is. No, no, no. We talked about the fruit of lips. What about the fruit of our lives? Because it doesn't end there. Look at verse 16. There's an and. How do we make a joyful noise the other 166 hours of the week? Look what it says. And do good and share with others. In other words, what the, the author of Hebrews is building out is your new identity is this. You are no longer, if you are in Christ and living through Christ, you are no longer a sinner who, uh, who um, occasionally does good. No, no, no. When you came to Christ, all that was settled. You were given a new identity and a new kingdom to live for and a new king to live under and a new king to represent. You are a saint who occasionally sins. And when you sin, God, there's grace for that. Come back to him, confess it, repent, move on. But you were made for good. You were made to bring good and be good where you live 166 hours of the day, where you live, where you recreate, where you work, so Jesus can show up through you in unexpected places, in unexpected ways, in people peel back the layers, whether it's the Xfinity, Comcast, customer care guy, or somewhere else, and they go, wait a second, Jesus is behind that? I didn't expect that. Friends, how's the kingdom gonna advance? unless it's done this way, where we're enamored with God vertically and then we turn horizontally and we're like, God, help me live this out. And when you do and live obediently, your life is a joyful noise that goes up to God. And then he comes back to it and says, it's not gonna be easy with such, what? Sacrifices, God is pleased. In other words, he's saying to them, and they knew it. I told you already what these Hebrew Christians that were originally reading this were hearing. They knew their life was a sacrifice. Heck, even at the time this was written, uh, worshiping together was a work day. Uh, the, the day of worship, the Sunday. It was a work day. So for them to gather and worship, they had to gather real early in the morning. You ever heard of the catacombs? Do you know why they gathered in the, in the graveyard, underground graves? Because they didn't want to get caught early in the morning because they might end up in a coliseum. And, and, and the author's going, I know it's a sacrifice, but God's pleased. See, the kingdom's going to advance when we serve our way there. 
when we redefine the price and go, yeah, it's going to cost, but it's so worth it. God, be honored in this cost. We see that all the time, right? The world heralds people like that, like Mother Teresa and other great men and women who, who serve God and just serve at great cost. Through people like you. It's through the sacrifices of you that the kingdom is advancing here. I saw that last week vividly, twice. Uh, I was back worshiping, singing, and uh, a mom came with her young daughter, first-time visitor, seemingly a single parent, and I I greeted her. I was in the back, and and many of you had already greeted her because you'd given up uh, being in the the service on time to serve people, and and she said, um, first time here, I don't know what to do with my girl and I said, well, come with me. I took her to this back table in our family ministry and I introduced her to Monica, our children's director. And then Monica handed off the most precious thing to this woman, her daughter, to someone like you. People that are giving up being in here and being in the other buildings to play with children and care for children and pray for children and ask God to use them to grow children. That's a sacrifice for them. We talk about he eats coming up. There's a group of men that are going, you know what? We'll pay the price. Not literally. You got to pay to come, I think. Do you have to pay to come? Someone? No. Oh, good. There's a group paying for you, uh, but they're serving this whole thing. So you know what? It's so worth it. Uh, We had a guy that brought a friend last week. In the middle of the message, the friend got up and walked out young guy, and and then came back and sat down, and I met him at the welcome home table afterwards, and he said, hey, I'm sorry, I walked out, I just was so overwhelmed, I couldn't contain it, I was just crying, I'm not used to crying. I said, well, that's the Holy Spirit. And he said, yeah, I I prayed with you, that prayer, and something's going on in me, like, like something's different in me, I'm like, that's Jesus. And the guy was with me who brought him, who's a whole generation different than him. And I said, well, hey, we want you to go through this book that'll help you grow in Christ. And the friend said, I'll, I'll take him through this. I got him. I'll give up my time. And not because you're paying me, but I'll give up my time to help this guy grow. That's a sacrifice of praise. That's a joyful noise. That's how the kingdom's expanding, my friends. And it's so important. I got to close. I got to wrap this up. And so let me close with a story and a passage and a prayer. Um, I was a youth pastor for 15 years. And I was a youth pastor here. I was a youth pastor before coming here. And uh, our strategy in youth ministry was always the same with teenagers. Get them out of this culture and get them in a foreign culture and strip them of everything that divides. And back then when I was a youth pastor, we didn't have, we had uh, text messaging, not text, but pagers. Uh, that's, that's how old I am. Um, uh, but we didn't have cell phones, and our youth team does a great job of that now. Anyway, took them to uh, Mexico or other places, and it would, I'd see this, this progression always take place where at the start, whether regards to the foreign culture, they would say, this is weird. This is so weird. Using an outhouse, that's weird. These entitled Marinite and Peninsulite kids, you know. And then over time a progression would take place, and I loved it. The culmination, the last night before we're going back to our community, I'd always hear this. Tears are all over the room, and teenagers are going, I don't want to go home because it's weird up there or over there. And I would go, exactly. 
because you've lived more kingdom here than you do back home. Because back home is weird. It divides and you're, you're, you have divisions and, and socioeconomic divisions, gender divisions, a ton of different racial divisions. Live this way back home so you can flourish and be a joyful noise. This joyful noise will go on and on and on. And in heaven, we see a lot of scenes in that. And um, we see this scene, I love this verse, in Revelation chapter 7. And look what it says. Uh, Revelation's the final book of the Bible. Uh, The author got a glimpse into heaven, an aspect of heaven. And look what he saw. He said, after this I looked. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Now look at this. From every nation and tribe and people and language. You ever wonder what the language of heaven will be like? I'll let you in on it. Uh, This is just Gary talking. I don't think there is one. One. According to this verse, all languages will be represented. And what's amazing is we'll understand them all. And look what it says. He says, after I looked, uh, go to the next verse. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes. And they were holding palm branches in their hand. It's a sign of victory. That's what a palm branch is. Picking up on the war cry of worship. Um, And they were saying to one another, salvation belongs to our God. Salvation belongs to our God. And there'll be the Italian language as a joyful noise. In English will be represented, surely. Swahili will be represented. French. Lingala, Portuguese, all coming together. And we'll be worshiping the same song, making a joyful noise. The overflow of our life on planet Earth. And we'll look at each other and go, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. So I want to ask, is your life a joyful noise now? Not just an hour on a Sunday, but 168 hours of the week. Friends, that's how the kingdom's gonna come, through men and women like that. It's not about us, it's about him. Let's pray together. God, there's times like this when what we want is so far beyond us, and that's why we're praying, actually, because it's not about us, this is about you. And we're sorry for making it about us, I'm sorry making it about me, not just here, but making it about me when I'm home or about me when I'm at work or when I'm driving or recreating or whatever. Sorry, Jesus, we want to follow you, the ultimate life that was not about you. You gave your life for us. So we're praying because we get in the way and we're praying because we're experiencing the fruit of a whispered life instead of a joyful noise life. And even as we listen to messages like this, we just think of us or what we did last night or last week and how we could never qualify for that. It's not about us. This is about you. And Father, I pray that what we've experienced here as we launch and go be the church, the most important part of this whole gathering is gonna happen in 10 minutes, that your kingdom would come through us, your will would be done through us. We say, uh, like we learned last week, here am I, no conditions. How would you want to use us? 
make our lives a joyful noise. Pray this in Christ's name and everyone said. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.